Hello there, this is Fantastic Noise. In this episode, the last of the current run, we are looking at radio and audio suitable for young families, speaking with story pirate Lee Overtree and Fun Kids Radio's Bex Lindsay. I'm Terry Lee. Thanks again for your time and for your ears. As a parent of a young child, I am guilty of boring friends, colleagues and family with my tales of parenting success and failure. I'm not alone. People love talking about their kids. My daughter Primrose is six and loves books, stories and conversations. She loves listening to books on Audible, especially Harry Potter and David Walliams novels. And she is also a fan of music radio and she likes listening to The Archers with her mum in the car as well. Uh, But there's a whole world of radio and podcast series out there aimed at engaging young children like Primrose. And naturally, as a radio academic, I have introduced her to parts of this world. I'm delighted that in this episode we will be exploring what goes in to family audio entertainment. And to assist me in the studio, I'm joined by a radio and audio student from the University of Bedfordshire. It's Megan Murphy. Hello, Megan. Hi. <laughs> Thank you, Megan, for, for being here. Did you catch your love of radio making as a child? And do you remember what you used to listen to as a child? I'd say my current passion has developed more thoroughly in the last... I'd say two years or so, but I do remember when I was younger, um, I would always listen to our local station back home, Channel 103, which is, it was kind of a mix between local BBC and a mix between, I'd say, Radio 1, because it had all the current music in, it was a bit more chatty, a bit more fun, so I used to listen to that heavily when I was younger, and then I'd say when I first got into, like, my teens, so, like, 13, 14, I was, like, obsessed with Radio 1, like, it's all I, I wouldn't I refuse to listen to anything else in the car. Like my mum she hated it. She was like, There's too much chatting, there's too much chatting. I was like, No mum, we have to have Radio One on. It has to be on in the car. And, and interestingly, I, I know about your background. You're, you're not from the main isles of uh, of the UK, are no, you? No, no. You're from which island? I'm from Jersey. Yeah, so so, so radio is a bit different for you. Yeah. Than, but, but Radio One was very prevalent. Then. Yeah. Is we don't have access to a lot of stations over FM mm. because it's because it, we're like, I wouldn't say we're too, too far away from mainland, but we are a far distance. With the introduction of DAB, we can't get more nowadays. But like when I was younger, it was very much you get your Radio 1, Radio 2, your your bog standard popular stations, but there was nothing like Capital or anything. OK, well, it's interesting. And, and maybe it will come up in our, our conversations later. Coming up in today's Fantastic Noise, we're going to hear from Lee Overtree. He's the creative director and perhaps ship leader or captain of the Story Pirates podcast series based in New York City. Uh, We will also hear from Bex Lindsay, presenter on London-based Fun Kids Radio. They both tell us about how they go about making family-friendly audio. Later, we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the radio word of the week. But first... So I listen to the radio, all the songs we used to know. So I listen to the radio, remember where we used to go. Not my words, Megan, but the words of Irish band The Cause from their 1999 hit, 
radio. Nice. Pro- probably before your time. <laughs> that, I, that was the year I was born, so... Well, well yes, I can't imagine you were listening to the cause <laughs> no, back no, then. No, can't say I was. You probably never even heard of the cause. <laughs> no, never, never heard of them. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go out of your way to, to, to listen to them, to be honest. But what have you been enjoying listening to recently? I'd say in the last 12 months or so, I'm starting to like dip my toe in the pond with podcasts. Like mm. I'm, I'm trying to widen what I'm listening to. So... A lot of the YouTubers I watch currently have been teaming up with a company called Ramble in the US Mm -hmm. and they've been producing a lot of podcasts themselves. So I've been really interested in those. Like One of my favourite YouTubers, Emma Chamberlain, Mm -hmm. she does a podcast with Ramble and it's called Stupid Genius. And I I really enjoy that because the first half of the podcast, it's always, you get given a question at the beginning and Emma has to try and work out what is the scientific reasoning behind it like for example one question in uh, on a specific episode is why are cats afraid of cucumbers <laughs> and she has to try and think she doesn't know what the answer is but she has to try and think like scientifically what would what could the answer be for that so it's quite nice to have that and you have an expert that comes in and tries and helps and explains what's going on and everything and then at the end she has three guesses to um, see if she can figure out what it is. And if she doesn't get it in those three an- uh, three guesses, then you will get the answer from the expert at the end. Okay. So I find that quite interesting because my dad would be really proud of me saying this. You get to learn a load of nonsense, <laughs> like things that you don't really need to know, but you will know it for the rest of your life. Some of that. And then the other half of the podcast, which I quite like, it's like she, del- she dives into more of her personal life, talks about stuff that we see on YouTube in the videos and it's just a bit more personal that bit but I just really enjoy that podcast I shove it on when I'm doing my work in my room or when I'm back home driving I'll pop it on in the car every now and again and I just really enjoy that. I know very little about Emma Chamberlain Um, so what was her YouTube channel about or Um, is about? She's like a vlogger she's just I think she's 18 years old now Mm. so she's like in my age group so and she just kind of shows off her life really does whatever i think she's she's very funny she has a very dry sense of humor which i have too so she finds funny i find very funny so it kind of works like that but it's not it's not like about science or it's not oh no no she's 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 very much like a this is me i'm doing my life and she'll do that every now and again there'll be a like some like fashion content or something like Mm. In the last couple of weeks, she was at Paris Fashion Week with Louis Vuitton. So that's (laughs) very, very cool to me. I wish I could do that. So, But presumably she's got lots of followers and subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's like she's approaching like five million-ish. Right, okay. And and a lot of that audience will then come to the podcast as well. And so it's like uh, it's it's a success ready to happen. Basically, yeah. Oh, how interesting. Thank you, Megan. I also like to share something that I'm listening to as well. And this week, I'm going to mention a podcast series that never fails to to make me laugh. And that if you're listening to this before the 26th of February 2020, you might be interested to know the writers will be coming to our special Beds Talk event at the University of Bedfordshire. And you can be in the audience for that. More news about that later. But the podcast I'm talking about is called The Offensive. It's a mockumentary podcast. It follows the fictional Premier League club 
Ashwood City FC. Uh, if you've ever enjoyed the thick of it uh, and you like football, then you'll definitely love this. It's really silly. It's topical. It's full of swear words and plays on words and, and the combination of the two. It's also a serial, so it's a drama and, and there's a story to follow, which is quite engaging. Megan, I wonder, I, I suspect you don't listen to The Offensive, but no. <laughs> do, you, do you listen to any other dry up drama series, radio or podcast drama series or comedy dramas on, on audio form? I don't. I think it would be something that I could potentially be interested in. It's just, I'm learning to appreciate, especially alongside my degree now, I'm learning to appreciate how audio is put together and how the choice of words and how you describe things, it does create an image in the head. Mm. So I'd, I'd be interested in trying to find some dramas or something to listen to. You'll be delighted to know, Megan, that <laughs> as a second year student, um, you will be, in fact, studying radio drama at the same time this talk is taking place Perfect. it's not a coincidence <laughs> um, we hope to see you there in the audience we are having a break after this episode but if you want to tell us about what you're listening to in the meantime then we'd love to hear from you at a fantastic noise on social media or email us on fantastic noise at beds.ac.uk so back to the focus of this episode family audio through the wonders of Skype, we spoke to someone based in New York who is a bit of a legend in my household. Hello, how are you? I'm in a new spot with some better... After a uh, couple of yeah. technical fails and time difference misunderstandings, we got hold of Lee Overtree. I'm the creative director of the Story Pirates and also the host of the Story Pirates podcast. Along with Megan, Peter and Rachel, Lee is one of the four regular voices of the Story Pirates podcast from Gimlet Media, which takes stories sent in by children and converts them to sketches or songs. There are even albums you can listen to with their songs, again, very popular to listen to in our house. I started by asking Lee what the Story Pirates do to make their audio content entertaining and funny for families with children. Something I think about a lot in terms of children's media. My approach has always been and continues to be I try to make things that I think are funny and that my colleagues and friends and fellow comedians and actors think are funny as well. We're really trying to make each other laugh. And obviously there's there's issues of making sure what you're doing is appropriate in a lot of ways and making sure what you make expresses your shared values, but we're really not trying to get inside of kids' heads so much as we are trying to make something that tickles us. <laughs> and and for me, that's appropriate for Story Pirates because our greater mission is raising the status of kids in the culture and treating them like we would any of our peers is the way to do that. So treating children as people, is that kind of what the message is, what you're saying? Yeah, treat them as people, treat them as as intelligent people that are full of ideas and humor, the way you would any collaborator that you admire and respect. Okay, that's, re that's really interesting. So uh, I, I kind of wondered, and it sounds like this doesn't happen, if, if you have children out there, like like maybe the children of, of the people that, that help make the program that ever test, listen to anything, but, but generally... Yeah. I mean, maybe that does happen informally, but but is it, it's more about what you guys think's funny, I guess, in a family-friendly sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've never focus-grouped things. You know, we'll do a survey here and there, 
to find out what parts of the podcast people are interested in and what parts they're less interested in that sort of shapes each season. But no, we don't focus group. We're, Mm. we're really uh, working off of our own instincts of, you know, what our vision for family entertainment should be in the world. To fill some of our, our listeners in, uh, about the Story Pirates uh, podcast. There's an ongoing story uh, about the Story Pirates and their adventures on this pirate ship. Uh, the last listen was was flying. <laughs> so uh, you, mm-hmm. you, that usually it concludes in each episode with some sort of, I guess, principled or, or moral takeaway. So yeah. examples might include, I guess, the importance of listening to lonely people speak or or making selfless <laughs> selfless decisions. I quite like there was an episode with Peter in a time loop um, and, and mm-hmm. he, he, made, he came to the right decisions uh, yeah. and, and the importance of teamwork as well. So, so these contributions are really creative and so far beyond... I guess, standard radio links, because I guess you've got the kids' stories and then you've got the story of the pirates on the ship. So I guess the question is, what is the writing process like for these podcasts? Mm. And, and who makes decisions on character development? Yeah, it's pretty collaborative. I'm I'm the showrunner, so I'm overseeing all the aspects of production, and we have four different production tracks. We have what we call the narrative, which is what you're describing, which is the framing device for the episode and what's happening on the ship each week. And that the process for that is, um, you know, we have our head writer, who's Rachel Winitsky. This season, we actually have a staff writer as well, a guy named Mike Cavallon. And and then Peter McNerney, Megan O'Neill, and myself, we all get together and we brainstorm the season. The arc, we treat it, you know, as as close to a TV writer's room as we can with our resources and, and time. But we get together, we brainstorm the whole season, we brainstorm the arc, and then we brainstorm individual episodes, what happens in them, and we sort of talk about each other's characters and how we want them to change and grow. Then from there, we, we sort of have our, like, bullet point episode ideas and concepts. And from there, this season, Mike... Our staff writer went and outlined each of the episodes. And then from there, Rachel turns them into dialogue scripts. That process, um, I guess, helps to structure it for, for you guys in, in, in some ways and may, maybe makes it a little easier for you to make an episode from week to week. Yeah, we have a lot of pre-production. There's so much content in our in each episode that we really have to be working for months before the season launches in order to be able to put something out every week and we're production right now but yeah that process is how we sort of like structure and make sure we can handle the narrative aspect of the episode but there you know if you listen to the episode you'll hear that narrative of what's happening on the ship each week but you also hear uh usually a brand new story adapted from a kid Mm. kids writing and then a brand new song adapted from a kid's writing you'll also hear an interview between myself and one of the kid authors. And those three, those are three separate production tracks that are also in development and have their own process and team. In terms of the production of, of the episode as a whole, um, one of, I guess, the interesting production points for me, and, and maybe this is a, a unique and, and not so common in the UK, is the almost consistent 
piano Welcome playing. Welcome back to the Story Pirates podcast, everyone. Where we take stories written by kids and turn them into sketch comedy and songs. Today is actually kind of a special day because a stranger just parachuted onto our ship and accused us all of being from outer space. And, so, and I, I wonder you know who is responsible for that because whoever does that must be a, some pretty talented musician because it keeps going, it keeps the whole thing flowing and, uh, and, and it's clearly very bespoke to each episode. Yeah, there's... The background of Story Pirates is theatrical. So I went to theater school. Most Story Pirates went to theater school in some way. Rachel, Peter, and Megan all did. Mm. Long before we had a podcast, we were doing a live show in elementary schools and touring nationally, which we still do. And it's still really the bread and butter of what Story Pirates is. It's an, it's in fact, it's like kind of funny to us that like, the podcast has had so much success because we have this legion of fans now who have no idea like what we have been doing for 15 years. <laughs> and, um, and the piano accompaniment is always been a part of our live show. You know, for 15 years we've been performing in schools and theaters and libraries and performing arts centers around the U S and, you know, so we, we have a, a really deep bench of pianists who come and improvise along with us right. on stage. Right. And so it really is a magic trick that we're able to pull off on the air now with the podcast. And the, you know, the answer is there isn't one person who's responsible for it. It's really um, a whole bunch of them. This one of our music directors, Jack Mitchell does a lot of the episodes, right. but there really is like a handful of folks that come in and have the ability to just like sit down at the piano, hear what we're doing and play along and sort of punctuate. And for me, it's really based in classic Looney Tunes yes. um, underscore that really follows the action and punctuates beats and is, you know, helps you, helps the actors keep momentum, helps you under know how you're, how, how you're supposed to be feeling during a specific part of the story. Um, and, you know, and helps keep it exciting and interesting and, and shifts tone. So, so yeah, it's, it's something I'm really proud of. And it's something that we really don't have to work hard at these days because we have such a talented group of folks that have been doing it for so long. That talent does does shine through episode to episode. Uh, something else that shines through episode to episode is, uh, as someone who's listened to to a lot of your podcast, is is the repeated jokes and and the the things which always come up. And in fact, when I asked my daughter Prim about her favourite thing from the Story Pirates, she actually told me it was when they say "gasp" in each episode. <laughs> <laughs> so so I don't know quite who is responsible for that one, but the writers get that bit right. There's always a there's always a bit in the episode like a cliffhanger and there's the whispering of gasp <laughs> gasp is that is that you is that peter i can't make out whose voice it is each time it's me it is you it's, it's yeah it's a it's something that my character does though i acknowledge that it would be more appropriate if it was peter's character <laughs> though it just isn't <laughs> <laughs> well we we always listen out for the gasp every time um so yeah we love it yeah and good. that's the fun thing about working with an ensemble is like you know, Rachel writes the episodes, We all, but we're all really contributing. And when we're in the studio recording a script, you know, like Megan will punch things up on the fly based on her own character's perspective. Like, I'll, I'll throw in a gasp 
you know, everybody sort of like contributes, which is really fun and exciting. It helps build these like jokes that are part of the world building and, and not just like throwaways. So Megan, in part one of our conversation, Lee spoke about the levels of pre-production that go into every episode of the Story Pirates. It's a reminder to me that even audio for families and kids needs to be treated seriously. Well, I think it's a good idea to have the children involved and not have it entirely made by adults because if you want to appeal to children, you're going to want children involved, Mm, really. mm. They know what they're interested in. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. So it's really, I think it's a really good idea having them involved in the story writing process. Yeah. I also really like the message, how they treat children as people. I think it's just... I think it's really, it's nice, it's heartwarming almost mm. that because you do see a lot of big companies, like they do like, oh, it's children, we'll just steal that from them, we'll steal this from them and take credit for it. <laughs> Whereas like, I th- I think it's really nice how they're like, yeah, this is done by so-and-so and this yeah. is done by so-and-so. And I just think it's really, it's really nice and it like, it will put an internal message in the children to like kind of value their worth. And be like, yeah, this I've done this, and it like sense of pride and everything. I just think it's a really nice message to have them involved. Because of the background of the story pirates and how it was a theatre group first that encouraged children to to write stories and things like that, I, I guess that's how the podcast has evolved and it's taken this ethos, as you say, um, that they are writing the stories, they're inspiring what's coming up in the podcast. So, and I guess this didn't come up in the conversation, but. We talked about the lack of focus groups, so they don't play their audio to children to see if the children find it funny. But because the children had such an input into the audio in the first place, mm-hmm. it kind of is a focus group in itself. Yeah. Um, they're kind of doing that process beforehand. <laughs> so it's very uh, in- interesting. And yeah, as you say, treating children uh, as people, as, as a person with a little one in my house, I can really appreciate how much they value just being put on, uh, given some respect and being mm-hmm. put on that, that sort of level playing field. Primrose, she's six, but she doesn't like to be treated as like a, a child. She yeah. likes to be felt like she's, she's in it and she's valued as, as a person in herself. We talked as well, Lee and I, about the piano music. Now, unless you're a regular listener to this, this podcast series, this isn't going to mean anything to you, but it's, they're often between 20 minutes and half an hour long, these episodes, and almost consistently throughout... There's this piano underscore, and I can't play the piano. No. Clearly, and it's all tied in with what's going on. So when there's like a suspenseful moment happening, the music suddenly turns suspenseful, or dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it's like supposed to be flowing along, the music goes all more jaunty. And I mean, it's a, it's a really nice, it helps with the storytelling, I guess, mm. isn't it? So if you're following along with the music, it's obviously going to guide what's being said, and it will be able to emphasize to the kids especially be like oh this is this is happening here this is this is the scary bit this is an exciting bit exactly allows them to follow the story more fluidly i reckon yeah because you can you know with any audio you can for some reason tune out of it and then but this music really helps you know where you are Mm -hmm. in any moment of what's going on but it's obviously it must take a lot of work i can't speak about how musicians i have no musical talent whatsoever my childhood violin teacher told my mom to tell me to quit (laughs) like that's how bad i was like i have not a single musical bone in my body it's something i really wish i had yes me too 
maybe the piano playing job for the story poems isn't the job for you in radio. No, maybe not. In the second part of the conversation, I started by asking Lee to describe the process from where the children submit their stories uh, to those making it onto the podcast. So Story Pirates, as I sort of mentioned, like does a lot of things. We don't just do the podcast. And so, and, and sort of the underlying MO of everything we do is taking a story written by a kid, giving it to an adult creative professional who turns it into a live show or a book or a podcast or a song or a television show. And all of those processes are different. The only DNA they really have in common is this collaboration between kids and adults. For the podcast, the process is fairly simple. I get about a thousand submissions a month from from kids all around the world and that that's been ticking up uh over the last couple years and probably you know we might even double that in a year but and they just fill a spreadsheet (laughs) as they come in and so we read them as they come in and we do a we have a program called story love which i think is important to mention because obviously we can't perform every story that we receive Mm. but we really want kids to know that we read their stories and that we appreciate them and and support them and we want to validate every every kid so story love is our way to do that it's a volunteer program where we write handwritten notes of encouragement and validation on every story we receive and that as you can imagine is a is a huge effort but that's so that's the first thing is story love. So we're responding to every story we get because they really are all amazing. But then when we're choosing what stories to perform for the podcast, I'm really just sending a spreadsheet full of thousands of stories to writers and composers. So I'll send a whole bunch of stories to, let's say, a composer Mm. who's going to write a song for us. And they'll just read through the stories and pick three to four that they're interested in that sort of spark them. And then I'll work with them to sort of narrow it down to one of the stories. And there's a lot of factors beyond like what the story is about, right? Mm. We have to, we want to balance a geographic location of the author. We want to balance um, the gender of the author. We want to make sure that we're balancing the ages of the kids whose stories we're adapting and then from there, I let the artists do their work and they write their song or they write their script and then they send us a draft. We give notes, we revise, we rehearse, we revise again, we go in the studio, we're still revising on the fly and, and then we capture and then we edit and then we publish. That's, I mean, that, that is a, still, that's still a process and I, I, I guess I'm still getting over the fact of you getting a thousand plus stories a month. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much to so much to get through, but I guess is um it's a sign that you're doing something you're doing something right. Lots of kids are looking to get their uh, send their work to you. Yeah, I I take it as a huge compliment that what we're doing is working. We want kids to get engaged in their own education and entertainment. We want them to be a part of it, and the fact that they are sitting down and the parents are facilitating this too. The parents and kids are sitting down, putting their ideas on paper, which is not an easy thing to do, as any adult writer can tell you. Mm. 
and they're putting it out there for us to see is is a huge huge sign of the success of the program uh, one one thing I've noticed uh, about the podcast is the impressive level of celebrity guests that feature in, in the podcast now. So recently mm-hmm. I've, I've heard David Schwimmer, Claire Danes, uh, John Oliver, loads mm-hmm. of others crop up as characters in various ways. Uh, Claire Danes, for me in particular, was an enjoyable listener, as an <laughs> investigative journalism radio host being taught <laughs> about the wonders of podcasting. What's a podcast? <gasps> Gasp. Excuse me? Is that like an alien radio frequency that you use to brainwash humans? Are you trying to brainwash me? Stand back! No! A podcast is like... Ugh, actually really hard to explain. A podcast Why do these like celebrities crop up? Is it for parents listening like me? Um, or are there other reasons? How And how do you get them in? What? How do they appear on the podcast? The short answer is that we just happen to know a lot of people by virtue of the fact that we've been working in New York for 15 years in LA for almost 10. When you are working in the creative arts for a certain amount of time, you just kind of like meet everybody eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And, And I think what we're doing is pretty accessible and fun. And so people get excited about collaborating Um, We try to make it as easy and as painless as possible for folks to come in and record. And some folks are harder to wrangle than others because their schedules are intense. Like Claire, you know, spent the whole year in Morocco shooting Homeland. So, like, it was challenging to get her into the studio, but we made it happen. And then a lot of these people have their own kids. And they're either listening already or they are appreciative of kids entertainment that doesn't exclude adults. Mm. Anyone who has a kid suddenly becomes very familiar with the fact that a lot of kids entertainment is not for everybody, right? It's for a very narrow demographic. And we're trying to make stuff that is for everybody and doesn't exclude Little kids doesn't exclude older kids. It doesn't exclude adults. It's really for everybody. And I think that's something that people respond to. You know, and the other piece of it is like recording a podcast is like not super difficult from a technical standpoint. So like it can be low cost to get folks in and we can get them in quick and get them out. And that's helpful. I I work with students, Lee, who who might choose to make radio or, or podcasts for for children or family audiences, <laughs> this is a, probably a tough one to answer, but, but what one piece of advice would you offer those students? It's a really good question. You know, I have a hard time giving advice sometimes because Story Pirates really is like all I've ever done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I started it when I first graduated from college in 2002, like almost right away. And I had a lot of day jobs and I have a, you know, a pretty minor freelance career, but I do do and have done other things to support myself. But straight Paris has always been the main gig and the thing I've done the most. Mm. So I don't have a ton of experience with like <laughs> how to make it in the world besides doing my one specific thing. <laughs> but I will say that like when the opportunity to make a podcast with Gimlet Media came up, mm. i.e. our first opportunity to make a podcast that had a real budget, we were ready because we had already been making stuff 
for a very long time on our own. Mm. And, and what does that mean? It means that a, I was doing a radio show on Sirius XM, which is satellite radio, mm. uh, in the U S I don't know if it's international or not, but they provide a platform for us where we could basically learn how to create audio over a long period of time. And we sort of like busted our butts trying stuff and failing and trying again and failing for about five years <laughs> before we had the opportunity before the podcast boom really happened. And we had the opportunity to like get someone to give us a budget to make a show. And when that happened, we really, knew what our process was and we really knew what kind of show we wanted to do should the opportunity present itself and we were able to do it without a lot of trial and error at that point so i guess my advice would be like don't wait until the opportunity shows up because you have to be ready when the opportunity shows up yeah which means making stuff on your own it means putting it out there and trying and failing and trying again. I think that's really good advice. And, and there are places, well, podcasting, as you say, makes it very possible for, for people to have a go making audio and, and learn from their mistakes doing so as well, I suppose. Leif, thank you so much for your time. I've got one last question. Yeah. <laughs> Is there one thing that you're enjoying listening to at the moment that you might recommend? Maybe a podcast or a radio program? It doesn't have to be... Uh, anything like the fam um, family, I guess, orientated stuff that you're doing with the Story Pirates, but one thing that you might recommend our listeners uh, listen to. Oh, man. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, and most of them are not at all in the vein of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely have some stuff I've been listening to that has blown me away. I'm just pulling open my my app right now. Sure. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts, so I listen to a lot of NBA stuff. I don't know the podcast that I've been obsessed with recently is called Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway from Vox, mm -hmm. and it is a tech and business podcast that is really a great example of a Talking Heads podcast where there is real charisma between the co-hosts, and a lot of times I get upset with talking heads podcast because it feels like the hosts are trying to force chemistry <laughs> yeah. and um and on pivot kara and scott really never have to force their chemistry and it's a great it's just like lightning in a bottle and it's really fun to listen to i also have been listening to land of the giants from box which is um about the rise of amazon and it's super interesting about the landscape for you know, what Amazon is trying to do and how they've succeeded and what's scary about it. <laughs> Megan, we heard Lee there giving some great advice, uh, being ready when the opportunity arises and, and how that includes learning your craft where you can. So as a radio student, I guess that's what you intend to do. Yes. Well, with first year, I was just kind of like getting myself familiar with everything. I think my aim for this year especially is to help out a bit more, get involved, like be more persistent. Like I'm going to get work placements here. I'm going to find myself experience here and like just try and like, in a sense, get to know everyone I can because the more people you know, the better. And then you're picking up little tips and tricks from everyone. So 
overall you're going to end up with so much experience and so much knowledge that it will make you really appealing when the right opportunity does come along and you never know like in the sense that you could go for work experience in one place impress them so much that they're like as soon as you graduate here we are like here you go Mm. so I think that's the aim for this year to try and get as much experience try and meet as many people in the industry as I can try and keep it both like local back home so back in Jersey try and get more experience over there try my luck as I might (laughs) I pray (laughs) and try and get something in London with some of the bigger stations would be really nice to try as well to go from like up small community stations in jersey to like the big like global ones yeah that's in that's interesting uh, i'll tell you what i used to do when i was around uh, your stage of, of of looking at radio jobs i used to have a notebook and this is a, you've got phones now that do the same <laughs> thing so maybe have a phone instead but i had a notebook where i used to write down ideas because i was always into presenting radio and wanted to do breakfast shows which is eventually what i did i was constantly an idea would strike me um, and, and I'd be writing it down like this could be a feature on a breakfast show or this could be a feature on a drive time show and etc etc and then I'd just stupid notepads which <laughs> full of rubbish ideas mostly but occasionally there'd be something there'd which, be a little gem like yeah, hidden in there yeah that's where I came up with my uh, infamous word of the day feature which ran on on my breakfast show in, in Norwich for over five years it was wow. silly, just, it was just very basic but it was inspired by I don't know looking at a dictionary or something yeah. <laughs> but yes anyway uh, with Lee, we, we also spoke about the 1,000 submissions a month they get from kids. So we were talking about those kids' stories earlier that get sent in. Over 1,000 stories that sent to them every month. That is absolutely mental. Yeah. <laughs> but it must be so nice for them to know that there are so many kids listening and being like, wow, I really want to get involved with that. Like, yes. So it, it does show that their hard work is paying off when you're having that vast amount of children yes. getting in touch. And it also, I guess it shows that you also have a lot of parents that are very supportive of their kids by helping them do this because obviously you're not going to get a six-year-old just going to know how to send a letter to uh, New York are you so things like that it just it shows that you have the supportive parents and then the kids are really like passionate and it's just a really it's nice to see yeah it, it's, it is it's, it's nice that they're really inspiring these these young voices and, and, and or young writers i should mm-hmm. say at this stage um and and maybe yeah as you say it, it might inspire them to to do something when they're a bit older yeah um with with their story writing and telling stories celebrity guests a huge part of of this podcast series and and i was really intrigued to find out a bit more about how they came about and uh, I was interested to find that Lee's answer was we just get to know everyone <laughs> there you go if you're in the New York art scene and, and you're doing stuff with kids yeah. I suppose uh, everyone you know works with kids or has <laughs> their own kids at some point but but overall the, the vibe you get from Lee is that the Story Pirates is a, a podcast which is entertainment for all uh, and I guess because they're dealing with children, they're working, you know, we're making audio with children, and as you say, parents have to get involved, and mm-hmm. parents like me end up listening to yeah. it, and if I didn't enjoy listening to it, I wouldn't have uh, probably engaged in a conversation no. with Lee in the first yes. place. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really top podcast, and I, I love their work. To get a British perspective on family audio, I hopped on a train to London to go to Fun Kids Radio. In their meeting room, I spoke with Bex Lindsay. I'm a presenter on Fun Kids. I host the afternoon show, the kind of drive time show, if kids could drive, uh, from four to seven, pretty much. Fun Kids is a national digital station aimed at children and families. I started by asking Bex what Fun Kids presenters have to do differently to presenters of, well, 
adult radio stations. In a way, you have to be mindful that like there are different experiences that kids are going through. So like September right now, it's about going back to school which I guess for an adult audience, you wouldn't really, you know, mention that a lot on the radio. You'd kind of be like, oh, it's back to school, but also this other stuff is happening. So you have to be aware of what kids are into, like what they're reading, what they're playing, what they're listening to. But also I don't think you do much difference. Like I am myself on the radio. I I don't think I change that much. I mean, I wouldn't mention, oh, I went out to the pub tonight or whatever. But, you know, I don't want to be that person who's like, listen with, watch with mother, whatever it was like, hello children, how are you today? Because... That's not who I am, and that's kids can hear it. They hear if you're being not yourself and a bit weird. And, and so, in a way, I think the content maybe changes a little bit. Maybe you modify the content, but actually, I don't think I change my presenting style that much, to be honest. So, that's it's, it's interesting. You mention keeping on top of trends and, and mm. things that children enjoy. How do you keep on top of that? And, or, or what, what's it? Where do you get your information from? Between us at Fun Kids, like we always know what's going on, basically, just. I don't know how, some kind of osmosis, I'm not sure. Um, and all of my family have children. And my, my cousins all have kids. So I tend to know what's roughly going on from them as well. And also just our listeners getting in touch and, and seeing what they respond to more online, you know, or on air. Like, what do they reply to? You, that's a good barometer, I think, of what is working. Yeah. Okay. And, and you mentioned you don't do the, the watch with mother thing. <laughs> and, and, but but your, your tone of voice or, or do, you, like, do you simplify languages? That, do you have to be a little bit mindful of, of talking to a younger audience? Yeah, I think uh, sometimes I kind of have to remember what would they have studied at school. So I did a thing on the radio today, actually, because I do this thing called a brain-busting question. And it's a question with, uh, it's always a numerical answer. And I'm like, you've got two songs to try and figure out the answer. And today I was trying to think about the equator and I was like, what age are kids when they learn about the equator and how big the world is and the radius and circumferences and how, when does that come in the curriculum? That took me a little while to kind of figure out how old I was when I learned it. But so I do, I do think you're mindful of it, but it, again, like don't underestimate kids because they're clever and they are into everything and there's so much stuff for them to like read and consume. Like I think people are surprised by how clever kids are and how much they kind of take on board basically. With regard to, to fun kids generally, the, the programming, I think it's fair to say, is aimed at 6 to 12-year-olds. Also, younger children's content in the fun kids junior yeah. section. Perhaps what stands out about fun kids is that it's consistently um, recognised in awards. I think it won a Sony Radio Academy Award for, for Best Digital Radio Station a couple of times. So, generally speaking, what, what is fun kids doing right I think, uh, again, not pandering to the audience and describing fun kids to people. Some people don't, if they haven't listened, don't know what it is and they assume it's just us doing like lullabies or like, it's just kind of like, and here's another song from a Disney film. And sometimes it is that, obviously. But it's just radio that parents like as well. So it's like, I, I think my boss once described it as like, it's just, it's just radio too, but for kids. So it's music, competitions, and also pop music as well. I think it's really important that people know we actually play like current tunes and I think it's something that everybody can listen to and it's really fun like it is accessible and it's just a way that I think parents can turn on the radio and know that what's going to be on there isn't going to be awkward for their kids to listen to they don't have to explain anything we're not going to say anything that's really weird um the music is slightly edited so it means that it's relevant to our audience and I think I think it's just because we have a niche and an audience that we know and we try and like do what we can for them basically are you aware if, if Fun Kids does any sort of 
workshops or um so oh do you mean oh okay so audience mm. testing and stuff well so i know we we do go into schools quite a lot we have a little team of people who go to schools and do audio workshops with kids uh which is a good way of just finding out what kids think of radio at the moment i guess and that's that's more kind of just workshops in general we i believe a part of the listening radio you can tell how much it affects me but um it's quite tricky to do with kids uh you can't really tell and i think we only do it in the london based area so really for us it just comes on the feedback we get from listeners and what works what doesn't work comes from that we also um we do a lot of um, live events and we have a big double decker bus with a radio studio in the bottom so we will take it to different um kids festivals and kids uh parties and stuff and that's also a good way of like chatting to kids and finding out what they think of radio and what they think of what we're doing as well yeah and, and i guess it should be clear, clarified when you talk about radio and why that would be difficult it's because kids aren't actually asked what they listen to as part of Rage Our Figures. So yeah. in, in theory, your figures should not be very representative of how many listeners you actually get. That's the problem. Um, I didn't know this until my boss told me. It's like filled in with like a diary or something. So you basically, you say or you tick what radio stations you've heard that week, which of course for our audience is like, why on earth would they... They've got other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know adults have as well, but for kids, although we know roughly what our listening figures are, it's uh, it's not a precise science, I would say, just because of the nature of our audience, basically. So, so Bex, in your radio career, tell us about what might have been your, your standout moments and what things you'll always remember, the stories that you'll always be able to tell. I think they're mostly based around interviews or ridiculous videos we've done. Uh, I love fun kids because it's just... It's getting to do nonsense for a living, and I love it so much. One competition we had, I just remember this actually, I was thinking about this this morning. We did a competition, my kids had to uh, challenge me. So they would, because I love quizzes, the kids were challenged to, to write 10 questions, like quiz questions for me. And we did it through the week. The kids who beat me and got me to like give lots of wrong answers won a competition. Well, they won the prize, basically. And I didn't know about this happening until the day it was happening. They were like, oh yeah, Bex, you're going to chat to some children and they're going to catch you out. And I was like, what? And it really exposed how little I know. Like, kids are clever. Kids, like, they, and they were asking me purposely really tricky questions just to catch me out. Um, so it's really fun to interact with listeners. So we did a live show in Edinburgh at the festival and meeting listeners there was amazing. We also did the show at the South Bank at the Underbelly in April this year. So we were in, uh, in the Spiegel tent there and we, me and Dan, who's another presenter, we like introduce everybody and we get everybody in and we say hello to the audience. And um, this little girl came in and she was blind. Um, but because I was like, oh, hi, how you doing? Come on in. And she just heard my voice and she's like, oh, Bex, Bex. And she could hear me because obviously for her, like that radio is her main thing that she can consume media wise. And that whole event was just so lovely to be like, this is a proper highlight because it reminds you people do listen and you do affect people and people are out there, really. But interviews are really fun as well. Like I interviewed David Attenborough and had the most embarrassing experience of my life. It was horrible. Why? 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 Tell us more. Oh, so it's a red carpet event and they are always quite tricky because you're there with a the microphone and just they're doing like a procession of like 30 different interviewers. And I was next to um, a kid. And this kid was interviewing Dave Attenborough and was amazing. I absolutely smashed it. Like, really, really good. And then he gets to me and I'm like, hi, 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 David Attenborough. Uh, where's, where's your favourite place in the world? And he says, Richmond in Surrey. Like, the most boring question ever. And I was like, but you've been to Africa? And he said, yes, but I live in Richmond in Surrey. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he quizzed me on what a baby swan is called. I forget where that came from, but it was just petrified. My family still play back that interview to me every now and again, just to remind me of how terrible it is. It was, it was awful. But I've interviewed, I mean, he's lovely, but it's just me. I was too nervous, basically. But people are, on the whole, people have been amazing. Like, because of fun kids, I went to Norway this year to interview the director of How to Train Your Dragon. Um, 
I've interviewed Rowan Atkinson, who I was petrified of, but was lovely. I've interviewed Jacqueline Wilson, who is my favourite author ever. And as a kid, I loved her so much. And she's been in the studio now. And being able to go to her book launches and cover it for fun kids is just really lovely and really exciting. And it's nice to be part of that as well. You hear a lot of voices saying that young people don't listen to radio anymore, the medium is dying, etc, etc. But but the existence of fun kids would suggest there is a young audience out there. So how do you feel about the future of radio in terms of young people's listening habits? I'm pretty positive, because obviously, I mean, kind of have to be. But as a kid, I always listened to the radio, because it was just, my mum and dad would always listen to Radio 2 or whatever, and then I listened, I'm from Newcastle, so I'd listen to Metro Radio. And as a teenager, like when I was like 12 or 13, finding Metro, and it was like my station, it was really exciting to have my own thing. And I don't think that's changed particularly very much. And I think people have always said radio is dying, right? When I did my master's, I did a master's at Goldsmiths, and my tutor there was like, oh, people tell you radio's dead, but it's not. Like, it's still, like, it's still going on. It's, it's competing with everything. And there are more ways to listen to radio now. Like, you know, our audience might listen on DAB radio, but they might listen on smart speakers or iPads or online. Like, in a way, there's more competition, but also there's also more ways for them to listen as well and to engage with it and to get involved. Is radio now radio, but, but, but not as we know it, with, with podcasts and social media content? And how has that changed maybe what you do as a presenter, even since 2012, since, since you joined Fun Kids? What's changed? Yeah, I'm really aware that like, it's very um, much more video-based now as well. So if we have an interview in the studio, we'll also film it and we can put it on YouTube as well. Um, and everything we make now, everything we put together is often uh, put in a podcast somewhere on Fun Kids. So just makes it easier to listen to again, I guess. It's more accessible. We have my book club podcast, which is where authors kind of, we, we put all the author interviews in that. But we also have the Fun Kids download, which is all the best bits of Fun Kids that week. And we make that into a podcast and we make that like easy to listen to on air. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think nowadays, I think you're right. I think it's definitely, you have to, if you make a thing, you make it for lots of different things, like, an interview will go as a podcast, it will go, um, it'll be mentioned on Twitter, it will be maybe a Facebook video, it will be on YouTube, just to make it as, as findable as possible, I suppose, yeah. Podcasts, the, the Fun Kids team are a huge provider of, mm. of podcasts, you're directly involved in them. Uh, recently you launched The Week Junior Show, which is a, a link to a magazine, and, and I've enjoyed listening to it and learned a fair bit from listening to it. I think that's partly because I've got a six-year-old daughter and I'm interested (laughs) (laughs) in finding out the sort of stuff that she's listening to. But how do you approach podcasts for children in comparison to radio Mm. for children? Uh, I guess you have to make it something that you definitely know kids will be interested in. Obviously, that seems like a really obvious answer. Our most successful podcast is the Science Weekly podcast, which kids absolutely love because there's nothing really like that. It's incredibly well presented by, by Dan and well researched and well produced by our producers here and it's just there is so much in it like and also stuff that's relevant to kids so you've got like an interview with a scientist or like they get kids to ask questions to a scientist like where else can a kid really do that and I think also the other problem not problem with podcasts but the thing with children's podcast is you're kind of relying on the parents as well to find it and it's not like it's not as easy to get a kid to download it but what you're really hoping is a parent will download it and the kid will like it and then make the parent download it again I think I think you forget there's that parent power as well. Because we, we do, the three main ones we do are the science, the books, and the download. And then, uh, yeah, the Week Junior as well is a new one, which is kind of news-based, I suppose. And again, that's more of a time with the magazine. And it's a way of, like, just making stuff more accessible for kids, I think. Yeah, and it's it's a lovely thing to be part of as well, because because that's quite a new one. But I love doing it, and hopefully 
it's a bit like the way I describe it is like news round but for podcasts and I think there is a call for it again there's nothing we researched it there's nothing like that uh, there's like one podcast from like Australia or New Zealand that does the same thing but very I think because it, obviously it's quite a big thing to take on like it's quite a big endeavor to be like oh we'll make the news fun for kids it's like yeah sure you will all right fine but I think we've done quite a good job so far hopefully how aware are you of um, its being time-sensitive? In fact, it's a pre-recorded podcast and therefore um, you can say something and it's out of date. Like, yeah. Is that something you have to be mindful of when you're, you're making a podcast about the news? Yeah, I mean, obviously the book club is fine because it's like, oh, it's a book, it's been out forever. It will continue to be out. But yeah, no, the, um, the news one is quite tricky because we did it last week about uh, proroguing Parliament. You can tell, you can tell I'm just told what, what was happening. Um, and even as we did it, because we it was where Joe Johnson had just resigned, and we were like, this has just happened. We're recording it right now at like, because they go to press on Wednesday, so we record it on Thursday, and it comes out Thursday night, Friday morning, kind of. And we were like, well, this could all change. Like, that some news weeks are going to be slow, but last week in particular, we were like, this might not be relevant on the whole, but that's where the team across there are really good because they'll also include stories that are a bit more time, like time, timeless, I guess, like stuff about um, treasure hunting or about seals on the River Thames, that kind of thing, like stuff that's a bit more like you can listen to this on Tuesday and this will still make sense. Yeah. And, and, and presumably as well, when, when you first got into radio, um, there was something about music and playing music that appealed to you whereas podcast obviously that that's generally not what is happening um is that something which is tricky or do you think as you develop as a a presenter you actually quite enjoy the the conversations and and that side of 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 audio yeah i remember when i first got into radio i was like oh talk radio is awful it's so boring who do that and not by any stretch am I saying I'm good at it at all, but no, you're right. Like when I first got into radio, student radio, community radio, hospital radio, which is all music based. And I love music. I'm a little indie kid at heart. To me, getting to play the, getting to play the Smiths, like, you know, just picking and making people listen to it was the reason I wanted to do radio. Having done a lot of authors interviews at Fun Kids and doing news podcast stuff now, it's, uh, it makes me see the value more of, of doing more talk and speech related stuff and how you can make it interesting. Like with, authors in particular I'm very aware that as a kid part of you because some kids love books I did but some kids are probably like this is really boring so I try and do like quizzes and make it a bit different and like just make it a bit more fun because I think at least at fun kids we have the capacity to do that like we're allowed to be a bit more silly I think do you worry about being pigeonholed as a a children's presenter Uh, do you see the future maybe with different audiences like maybe you're the next Zoe Ball or something (laughs) like that but where, where do you see your future Always in radio. I, re- I love radio so much. I I find it mad when people are like, oh, why didn't you go into YouTubing or TV? Because I just, I love the the intimacy of radio and the idea that like people have you on in the house and like they actively choose to have you in their lives. Um, I love kids radio. I love kids stuff right now. Not a stretch for me to be on the same level as, as uh, the stuff we're talking about in kids radio. But yeah, to do more music radio would be nice. Uh, to do... To, just to do more radio, I think, in general. I think, I think music-based radio would be quite fun, basically, yeah. Just one last question, and that's um, if there's one thing that you're enjoying listening to at the moment that you might recommend to others, so perhaps it's a, a podcast or a, a radio programme or something, what, what is it you would recommend to others to listen to? Uh, so I do listen to a lot of music, but I do listen to podcasts because I feel like I probably should just to check out the competition. Mm. You've got your classic like Desert Island Discs, obviously, but... I listen to two things a lot obsessively. One is old Adam and Joe podcasts because the BBC still have them up 
and I download them and listen to them. But at the moment, um, Colin Murray's Blood on the Tracks podcast, which uh, I don't know whether you know it, it's like a rotating list of guests. Every week he has like three or four guests and they just pick different uh, bits of music t- to relate to different kind of categories. And he's basically a competition. Um, I love Colin Murray. I met him at a, um, a digital radio event a few years ago and he was one of my like radio heroes. And meeting him, he was so, so nice. And the podcast is really fun because it's music related and that's uh, it's something I don't, I don't get to do much radio about my preferred music so it's nice to hear radio about that Megan amongst other things Bex spoke about there uh, she talked about parent power because parents still ultimately control uh, what their kids listen to most of the time <laughs> so what's your hunch with regard to the rise of popularity of radio and podcasts for children well I think especially I'd say in the last couple of years or so there is so much out there like mm. podcasting is being made so simple and it's so easy for everyone to access so like i could wake up tomorrow morning and go i'm gonna make a podcast sure. and i'm gonna do my own podcast and then i could publish that and it can be reached by an audience sure. so i feel like there is always going to be something for, for you like there's so much choice out there that parents for kids they can be like my kid likes this mm. and they can find a science podcast for kids Got it. they can find a wrestling podcast for kids maybe or just like general chart music things like that there is always so much to choose from when the technology is so easily accessible that i think it works it is a good place for podcasting for kids at the moment especially i guess it's just a it's just a continuation of what what radio stations started when when there were suddenly lots more radio stations uh, when when things changed back in the 60s and mm-hmm. things were you know pirate radio inspired all these other stations and radio 1 which we, we mentioned earlier as you're a listener of yes i love, uh, that, I love radio 1 yeah which is great because ultimately it's aimed at a younger audience mm-hmm. so you you like radio 1 understandably um you are a younger person and you like the PlayStation that's playing stuff for younger people and I guess things for podcasts and and even things like Fun Kids Radio are just a continuation of that theme, focusing on a more specific audience, that's great she talks about Bex, the balance of talking with children but also not being like watch with mother which is probably a reference you don't understand but like really old fashioned kids TV where uh, you have like characters on the screen who are like, "Hello, children." Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, like she's not doing that. She's pretty cool. Yeah, it uh, talks to them like our person. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and who's to say, Megan? In the future, you're not making radio for kids. Is this? I guess this is this something that's of interest to you. Um, it's nothing. I ha- I've never thought of it to be honest. My mind changes about what I want to do in the future mm. so quick. It's quicker. Th- it changes quicker than the weather. <laughs> At the moment, I'm looking more at producing, but like, who knows? I might get more experience in presenting this year and fall in love with it. I'm going through a phase where I'm learning to listen to my own voice. So that's what puts me off presenting. But I'd say the last year I've got better. I can wear headphones when I'm in the studio. <laughs> I can. So who knows? I might one day I could be doing stuff with, with kids, but who knows <laughs> oh absolutely who does know and you've got plenty of time to, to make a decision based on that I think you'd be absolutely marvellous at, 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 and <laughs> you could certainly do a programme for, for children or for adults what was inspiring to listen to Bex talk about is how I guess doing a programme for kids hasn't held her back she, she's still doing things that she really enjoys mm-hmm. and, and she was able to tell stories And but then you know, she talked about 
a story of one of her best moments in radio, which was meeting one of her listeners. I really enjoyed listening to that bit. It's just the thought of how when you're in the studio, you don't know who you're talking to. You're just talking to a microphone. Whereas there's like so many people listening. And the story about the one girl, the blind girl, who as soon as Bex spoke at this meeting group, essentially, like she instantly recognised her voice and knew who who was talking to her, which I thought was really heartwarming. And it was just really nice to like, it must be really nice for Bex to be like, wow, like I am making such a positive impact on people. Like I am part of someone's daily life, which I thought was really nice to hear. We also talked about the video content that they focus on with uh, regard to fun kids now and, and how I guess radio is evolving into this thing where, where you need to be mindful of social media yeah. and, and having that sort of visual platform, maybe a YouTube channel and things like that. Uh, obviously, for, for someone who's approaching dinosaur status like me, it's all very <laughs> new and weird, but uh, you've grown up, you're watching YouTubers, mm-hmm. so when you're making radio, are you f- conscious of the social media and, and the visual elements? Is that so, Or are you focusing more on the audio still? I think in everything nowadays you really do have to focus on social media as a key part because everything is on multiple platforms nowadays you have to engage people from all aspects like someone might not have access to be able to listen to a podcast but they can log onto Facebook and see a short snippet Mm. of a video Mm. alongside the audio there or they can go onto Instagram and see footage and behind the scenes uh, behind the scenes shots from things like that i'd say you really do need to look at all angles when even if it is producing audio you do need to listen to the uh, the visual element mm. and everything else with it a brief bit of correspondence now thank you to d for your message recently regarding the episode we made last year about uk community radio so d at the time of publishing this episode the community radio awards 2019 are just about to happen so i would recommend having a look and listening to the winners from that for some great examples of community radio in action hope that helps thank you and hello to tina a former media student who kindly says she wishes this podcast was around when she was doing her studies uh, tina perhaps it is time to become a mature student and do it all again that'd be problem solved uh, a brief reminder that if you're listening to this episode before the 26th of february 2020 there will be a live episode of this podcast that you can attend at the university of bedfordshire as part of the beds talk series uh, this time it's about making radio drama and it will feature jeremy howe the editor of bbc radio 4's the archers and adam jarrell from stackenoff's football mockumentary podcast series the offensive so follow our social media feed for more information about that We're having a break after this episode, probably with the next big batch of episodes in the summer of 2020. But if anyone would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. Megan, before we go, let's look at our language. Radio and audio jargon is too often mystifying for our students and radio newcomers, so let's keep it simple, or as simple as we can. It's time for our Radio Word of the Week. Today is, it's a small word, but a big one in radio. Cue. 
It has a, a couple of radio meanings, cue. It could be to prepare a, a piece of audio ready to start, so to cue something up on, on the computer. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's cueing. But also, and we use this one a lot, it's a script read by a presenter to talk into an item. So when you make a radio package, we'll often ask you as to the yeah, to write the cue material for the presenter to read out. So I talk about this a lot with students, and I'm delighted yes. you instantly <laughs> knew what I was talking about. Yeah. Hooray! It's uh, one of my favourite things to do. Oh, I don't know what it is, like... I learned how to write cues at the BBC, and I find it. I just find it really easy, and I just like. I, I it sounds it geek, it like it's really geeky, but I just love writing cues. Well, it's like one of my favorite hey. things. Someone's like write a cue. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do it right now. Oh, like, that's I, good. I, I you're really you're like... going to be my go-to cue person because that's not the sort of response we get for <laughs> no. cue material from a lot of students. No, so I love cue, I love cue writing. <laughs> there, there is another meaning of the word cue as well. It can refer to an audio feed which contains overall output so for example during an outside broadcast a presenter hearing Q might be listening to the full mix which would include their voice and if there's a big delay it could really put a presenter off I mean this is starting to sound technical but I have some clever people so when we do outside broadcasts here at the university with Radio Lab, our radio station uh, you can have a clean feed sent to the remote on the outside broadcast so they don't hear a delayed version of themselves. Everyone's hooray. You've done some outside broadcasts. Yeah, like, we... You, was there a delay or like, did you get your voice delayed back or you didn't? No, I think ev- everything was really clear yeah, like straight away when we did. It was Varsity in the summer we did and it was very smooth. There you go. Well, there you, you, the, and the, lots of fun. The technical people did their job there and, and I'm pleased you enjoyed the outside broadcast as well. But the word today is Q and, and I guess you've demonstrated already you're familiar with the yeah. word. Brilliant. Thank you, Megan. Uh, that is it for this run of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode and for this series. Do subscribe, give us a review and rating and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks to our guests today Lee Overtree and Bex Lindsay. A special thanks to my co-host Megan Murphy. Thank you for having me. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise.